The African fashion industry is filled with incredibly talented professionals. However, there is a disparity between fashion education on the continent and the wider international scene. At the Council for International African Fashion Education, we are passionate about advancing the development and innovation of fashion education in Africa. Hello, welcome to the CF podcast. On the show, you'll hear advice, masterclasses and interviews with a range of industry insiders, from business executives and academics to creatives and many more. In this episode, our host, Frederica Brooksworth, interviews Dorcas Payne. Dorcas is a creative consultant specialising in supply chain management and operations. Having worked within the fashion industry for over 10 years, she's able to offer a lot of valuable advice for both individuals and new and upcoming fashion businesses. Today, we have Dorcas Payne joining us for this episode. So Dorcas, you know what? I'm not going to introduce you. I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself to our listeners. So please tell us who you are and tell us what you do. Um, thanks, Federica. Um, hi, everyone. Lovely to be here today. Um, so just a quick background on who I am and what I do. My, as Federica said, my name is Dorcas Payne. Um, I'm a creative consultant um, and I specialise in supply chain management and operations for fashion industries. So as a creative consultant, basically what I do is I kind of come into businesses and brands and companies, um, usually sometimes for a specific project or for a specific area that they might need improving. And I will kind of use my expertise to find ways to kind of um, elevate that company or take them to the next step. So when I say that I specialize in supply chain management and operations, so what I usually do is I troubleshoot and I work around finding solutions for companies um, when it comes to the supply chain. So with that, in the fashion industry, that stretches a lot of the back of house stuff, which we don't often see. So it's a lot of the stuff that we don't see um, customer facing. And this can include things like logistics, manufacturers, sourcing, uh, merchandising, costing. Um, as you can see, it's quite vast, but I would usually be specializing in any of those back of house areas to try and find ways to improve efficiency um to improve margins to improve the way that the company operates and that's kind of the area that I would kind of working I have a background in marketing and branding and buying as well so those are all areas which help kind of plug in and make sure that the solutions we do find for the company actually make sense overall um so yeah my role is kind of like I'm, I'm self-employed I run it underneath my consultancy called Ode to a Fear and I kind of just do freelance roles here and there um, as and when they come up. Um, of late, I'm more or less, well, a majority of my work has been specialising on the continent of Africa. So I work with a lot of brands and companies who are based there, who are based there or who might be based in a diaspora and are working with the continent, whether it be through manufacturing, whether it might be through their clients or their customers um, as well. So I've got a bit of but both of those having worked in the UK and worked on the continent in Africa too, which was a bit of a whistle stop tour. <laughs> I know, honestly, I love that. What an introduction, because you've actually answered some questions that I was going to ask you. So, you know what? We've actually killed like a couple birds with oh, one. Perfect. So, I love that so much. And you know what? It's actually really insightful because, I mean, we were having a discussion before this. 
and we were talking about how often people have no clue on like the different other job roles within the fashion mm. industry and you know like being a creative consultant it can mean many things to people but having you define this is super super helpful so thank you so much and I'm sure people listening will actually like be making notes and thinking about oh that sounds good I might actually pursue a career in this area so this actually leads into my next question which is like what did you actually study to get to this point and do you feel like maybe the course that you actually studied helped you to get here would you like to share that with us okay yeah actually that's actually a really good question so my journey in terms of education wise um my undergraduate degree I did that in design management and innovation a quick secret fact I actually started off initially initially doing architecture um I did about a year a year and a bit of it and I I had no idea oh I know God. yeah so that's a quick <laughs> secret facts and doctors yeah so I actually started off doing that I was perfectly honest with you yeah coming from a African background as well when I first mentioned to my parents that I wanted to do fashion I was like ah, okay I don't know about that one like I know you're creative I know you like the arts why don't you look into something that you know We'll make money within the arts and at that point in time the only industry which seems creative was you know go and draw buildings as they would say and um, so I kind of got coerced more so into um, architecture that way but I always was an avid lover of textiles even all my GCC works my A-levels works all about just textiles fashion but you know I thought I'll try architecture anyways yeah tried it hated it with a passion um, so I pivoted and I did because I still was unsure about whether I wanted to focus on fashion and I still want to keep my options open. So I went in to do design management and innovation, which basically is how the um, management and the operations of the design industries happen. So I was basically working on and studying um, how to kind of make the cogs keep turning within the creative industries, the key things, whether it's people management, whether it's how people work, whether it's different types of um business models so that's what I started doing my undergraduate having done that I did realize that I did want to have a bit more of a fashion textile focus and I knew that was an area that I was really quite passionate in so I went on to do my master's degree um came up to London and I did that at London College of Fashion and I did a master's in strategic I can never say the whole thing strategic fashion marketing um that was a great eye-opener for me and I think for me if anything it was excellent because it gave me and plugged me into great networks within the fashion industry. And a lot of times we have to realise that with our studying, it's not just always about maybe knowledge theory based, but the connections and the contacts you can make within your course are never are like invaluable. And as well, you get to have that practical elements of it. So um, taking on all the theory that I learned with my undergraduate, which I think was great because a lot of those skills that I learned there and the stuff which I learned in terms of how to manage design industries and how to have design thinking approach to stuff I was able to kind of take it and focus a bit more on the fashion industry within my master's course and um, that was great as well because I was able to do quite a lot of live briefs to work on um, a key part of one of the course which I found the most interesting for me was globalization and internationalization of the industry and little did I know to me that that was going to be quite pivotal in terms of me being able to work with different brands and companies across the globe. So I think in terms of learnings, 
having a big picture about how the design industry and the creative industries work and being able to hone in and then focus a bit more on um, the fashion industry and specialize on different ways that marketing, branding can all play a key role was quite vital for me. Um, so I think within that, I've, I was able to get a good theory base of all the different moving parts and clogs of not just the creative industry, but also the fashion industry as well. So that's kind of been my journey um, in terms of like my key education areas as well. That's it in a nutshell. Love that so much. So interesting to kind of learn about everyone's sort of different paths. And, you know, I always say to people that you don't necessarily need to like study fashion from literally college level. Mm. You may just get into it by doing a master's or you may just maybe do a short course or something. So it's actually interesting to see how you were able to pivot from doing an undergrad, which, you know, just looks at more like design management and innovation, but then you moved into doing an MA in strategic fashion marketing. And even with that, that hasn't just sort of limited you into a space where you only had to do marketing because you focus a lot on things like supply chain management, um, operations and so forth. So I guess it really comes down to just having a good foundation. Like you said, the network is so important. And then also you're able to, you know, gain transferable skills. So I really do like that. We're gonna come back to actually talking about um, fashion education in the moment. But you actually mentioned something quite earlier on and you mentioned you're a freelancer, so you work for yourself. Now, we know that being a freelancer isn't easy. I mean, especially like, you know, getting clients, getting consistent work. So especially in the fashion industry, it's a lot more harder because everyone always says, oh, the fashion industry is very competitive. And we often know how the fashion industry is impacted by external um, circumstances. You know, we saw Brexit, for instance, or in the UK, and then we saw COVID, which had an impact on things globally. So how have you done it over these years to actually work as a freelancer and actually bring in consistent work because I think a lot of people don't actually understand what it means to be a freelance like do you have to go and pitch for work or do people come to you have you had to like put yourself out there in order to get recommendations how do you actually get consistent work that's a very good question and I think to be fair uh, it was a question that I wish I'd asked myself even before I got started but I know as well, especially in this climate, I know a lot of people have started to gear towards, okay, being a bit more self-employed, freelancing, contracting, and all that type of stuff. And it is a bit of a, a big, a big old, like, it's a, it's a big pull, to be honest with you, that whole area of things. So just a bit of background. I actually started um, within fashion. My job before I went into contracting and freelancing and stuff was I was actually doing buying for House of Fraser. And then I kind of realised that from that point that I didn't really, I wasn't majorly keen on pursuing going through like buyer, junior buyer, senior buyer, all that stuff. I, so I, at that point, I decided to make a bit of a pivot. Fortunately, the role that I found next was actually a contracts role. And this, I would say, or I would advise for the person that is thinking about making a, a pivot or change into doing freelancing, self-contracting roles and stuff like that. Um, this might be a way to do it. So while I was, what gave me a taste of it and it made me feel like this is something that I would like to do, I participated in a retail week competition while I was at London College of Fashion, which we won and we got a gig working with a 
French brand and that was kind of like my first taste of doing some freelance consultancy work so it was a paid gig um and it was more to do marketing and visual merchandising so having done that I was like okay I like this element of working on projects and you know having a bit more control over my time and how I work and how I do stuff and that's when I started to look into a bit more about how this area of work kind of operates so when I was thinking about at a point in time I was still working full-time and I was just doing this stuff additionally um and then off the back of that while I was still working in buying I would then even literally one of my other first gigs that I did was to do branding and I found that on the creative opportunities page on London College of Fashion UAL um page so I applied for that I ended up being a brand manager doing like one of my consultancy was was brand managing a new jewelry company so I did that as well all while I was working so there is an element a bit of um for me I didn't want to you know fully transition into that I made sure that I kind of tempered my appetite and tried to taste different ways of how, what would it look like managing multiple different clients and brands at once and then once I started balancing that with doing buying I realized actually I prefer working on these projects doing um branding work and brand partnerships and managing the supply chain and stuff like that for these different brands I prefer that then I thought okay it might be time for me to make a pivot and then what helped me make that pivot was when I was working and when I decided to pivot across I found a contract role and I was actually working for a company a sourcing company in um Ghana and they were kind of getting an encouraging western brands to manufacture and produce on the continent so I think for me the key things which I learned and then that kind of spiraled into me finding new clients and stuff like that so in terms of finding clients one of the best things that I can say is you need to kind of find your niche and define your offering when it comes to whatever you want to consulting so creative consultancy is quite a broad term which is why I always follow that up with explaining that I specialize in supply chain management and operations so for you, you might be a creative consultant and you might want to specialise in merchandising. You might want to specialise in um, branding and that might be including um, graphics and packaging and stuff like that. I always stress the importance of finding your niche. I believe there's a lot of like power um, and opportunity in you honing in. And even if it might be just one or two area which you know you're excellent at, find that and master it. So coming out of buying, then now working on the supply chain, I started to become quite a, um, an expert in the field of the supply chain area. So whether that was me working from the buyer end or me working from the supplier end, I was able to kind of be able to get enough experience to specialize in that area. And that is how I will start to pitch my services. And um, in terms of finding clients, I was from the mindset where I only wanted to work with like one or two clients, work on a good project, and do it well and not overwhelm myself I think based on that I was quite fortunate enough for a lot of my clients to come to me via word of mouth so when I was living in Ghana as well I did quite a lot of um meet and greets I'll go to events here and there and I even though I probably would end up only working with about two or three clients at a time for me that was better and a lot of times a lot of my new clients came by referral I literally only probably set up a website two years ago and bear in mind, I've been doing this for the past like 10 or 12 years. So a lot of it did come by word of mouth. And then it became synonymous with, okay, if you work um, on the continent, if you need some help with supply chain operations, oh, actually, you should have a chat with Dorcas. She's quite good at that. 
and then that's how your name starts to enter those places but it wouldn't be me being all things to all people it was me trying to hone into my specialty and then kind of really focusing on and building that up and the more I worked on that the more I was able to um work on different projects and get a bit better at what I do and kind of polish my expertise and stuff like that so the two key things I would say is be specific in terms of what you want to do and what you want to consult in um, and freelance in and then also do the job that you've got in front of you really well because I can't explain or can't say enough how important and valuable is word of mouth is um, as well of course you've got other means to kind of promote and push yourself with in terms of like social media and stuff like that that always works I've never been the best on those platforms so word of mouth has served me well another key way I would say is also look for contracts just normal job contracts on online like on LinkedIn um on that's like a plain Google search a lot of jobs will come and pop up that way for contracted fashion roles if that's kind of your your, your kind of your area you want to go into and it gives you a taster I've got um one or two gigs that way as well as like submitting your kind of like your pitch for tender so there might be for example a company or brand or development institution that might be saying we're going to start this new project working with designers in um, Uganda or designers in Ghana to say to say for example we're looking for um, consultants who have got experience in working with fashion entrepreneurs those things will go out there and then you'll kind of submit a tender to kind of explain why you think you're good for the role um, and then obviously you can get selected if possible. So those are also another good ways to get into it if you're keen on contracting and consulting. Another thing I would advise is also just to get your house in order. So make sure you've done things like obviously if you're going to be trading underneath a company or underneath yourself, just get all of those stuff in order so that you are kind of ready to, to do that. And also get yourself in order so you've got all other stuff done like your branding, your your um pitch decks you know how much your packages are so create kind of packages if you want to work with brands as well um, and kind of get that all sorted so that if you are ever approached at a drop of the hat you can respond quite quickly um yes yeah, so those are kind of kind of the key things i would say i wish i knew before i started very very important key things though very essential so thank you so much for sharing that so my question to you Dorcas I mean we've just spoken about you know essentially what it takes to be a freelancer how you've gotten into it giving advice on how someone else can actually become um, a creative consultant how do you actually balance being a creative consultant for other brands and then again sometimes as you mentioned like you'll go on work on like contracts so you might be juggling different contracts at the same time and it could be that okay you've gone in to help out with someone's operations but how do you how do you sort of like balance being an expert in you know supply chain management going into operations helping people and just like overall creative consultancy how do you actually manage to serve all of these roles so I think organization yeah it's just probably the key thing like literally my cal calendar is color coordinated to the t so i think it's sketched out and carved out and i think for obviously when you get short to term roles or contract roles there might be specific days that you might be working on specific things and that's fine you block it out and then you'll find ways to obviously manage your other stuff as well for me another key thing other than diary management is also getting your templates and docs sorted a lot of the time, um, 
the template or the functionality or the method of getting to an answer might be the same, but your answer might be different. So for example, I've got um, been able to build up a good deck of templates for um, pitch decks, for costing templates, for supply chain, um, kind of like reviews and audits, for operations um, and all of that stuff. So I've got a whole bank of Excel sheets um, and documents which I can adapt and change to the needs of the client to make my job a bit more easier. So it's not all the time that you're, I'm necessarily starting from scratch every time I start a new client. Um, and I think one thing that's why I'm always saying in terms of finding your niche, I would advise that your different clients do complement each other in some sort of way so that you're kind of in a one track mind. So a lot of my stuff is focused in a particular area and which is why I probably started to um, work a lot more with brands on the continent and in diaspora because it just makes more sense for me to stay in a remit, which I'm well versed at um, as well. And I think it's important for you to, once you can, obviously at the beginning, you've got to take what you can get, but once you can choose and be selective, try and find contracts and the roles that you do enjoy. So for me, my template is I do take a lot of contracts or, or work which are a bit more consistent because financially that helps with me um, just having something a bit more consistent. And then I have the, the room to pick and choose a bit more selectively what brands and projects I would like to work on outside of that. So if that's kind of a model that you would like that, that can work with you. So I might be working a typical week for me. I'll be doing two and a half days maybe on a contract I've got. And then the rest of the week, I'll be doing something else. Um, recently, I've also started doing a bit of lecturing as well. So that would get put in here and there as well so I guess it's also you finding what works for your lifestyle um as well but definitely I think diary management and having a great bank of all your documents all your templates as well is key I love that like you know me Dorcas when it comes to yeah. just listening to things to do with like systems and organization and projects management I love it because people don't honestly understand how much it saves time, Honestly. how it also helps you to just sort of like have a clear mind because you never know what opportunities may actually come up. Somebody may literally yeah. email you and say, okay, we want to work on X, Y, and Z. Do you have any information on this? And like, I've done something that I've picked up, especially over the past year, is like, you need to be able to have things in order just to send it straight away. Exactly. So you need to maybe just change like some wording, change the logo and so forth, but you have the templates in check. So definitely get that Google Drive all prepared and set your Trello boards or if it's your Asana, you name it, but you need to have, all of these things literally just set in stone. So thank mm -hmm. you so much for sharing that. I've learned quite a few things myself just then. <laughs> so amazing. We hope you're enjoying the episode so far. To find out more about CF, please head over to our website at www.cf.org. That's www.ciafe.org. Over there, you'll be able to find links to our social media accounts on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you. So my next question is, you know, what are some of the hurdles and challenges, you know, that you face pursuing this career, especially within the fashion industry? And I would also maybe be quite specific to say the African fashion industry, because we know it's still emerging, 
there's a lot of you know work to do i mean it's fantastic now so many opportunities are arising but i would say you really started out when not many people were considering moving you know to africa or were really looking at just focusing their minds on everything apart from design so you came into a space where you were really trying to pursue helping people with like supply chain management and their operations so you know like what challenges did you actually face during this um i think i'll start off specifically with africa then maybe go a bit broader i would definitely say initially it was hard to demonstrate or show the value outside of things that weren't design based and so correctly like you like like you said correctly and um, for the week, like a lot of the focus has been on a designer so if you're not a designer really nobody really says what you've got to say or pays you any mind but I think explaining and trying to show people the value that they would then obviously want to um, pay for and pay for your services in terms of the importance of having your operation super efficient in terms of having things that you're costing down to a T those elements some people struggle to find the value in and if you're not coming to tell them oh I can sell the dress for you or I can make this for you or I can do your embroidery they don't really see anything outside the product yeah. so I think that would definitely be that was definitely one of my first challenges and sometimes you got for me personally um you think somebody's just to go down and show them the numbers like okay this is what you are cost this is what, how much it costs you to make this blah, 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 blah. this is what you're recommended retail prices do you know you're literally making two dollars from this and that doesn't take away your overheads i'm trying to explain to you that in order for it to make sense you need to consider your overheads da, 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 da. this is what your margin should be and once they start to see like oh okay actually how do i get my space my place to this okay we need to look at sourcing we need to look at how to make your operations a bit more efficient etc 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 then sometimes they can they start to see oh my gosh okay so i have a pretty product but it's not making me any money. And now we are shifting to a space where the fashion and creative industry on the continent is becoming an economy in itself and it does need to, and it does want to make money. I think people are starting to take a bit more, um, starting to sit up a bit more and listen to things outside of, you know, the fabrics, the colours, the patterns and stuff like that, which is all beautiful and which is all great. But in order for us to kind of shift into a space where, the fashion industry, the crepe industry is making a lot of money, is kind towards the economy's growth. I think now people are starting to, to listen to it. Um, also, I think on the flip side, being from the diaspora and working in the UK and, and also starting to trying to explain the greatness which is coming from the continent. When I first started in the industry was before our time. So one of my first contracts was talking to brands in the US and the UK and talking to them about, okay, why don't you manufacture in the U in in Ghana why don't you like use some of our textiles they're looking at me like why should I when it's cheaper for me to make in China and you know yeah. you just showed me I can replicate it um but it's been interesting to see now how that shift has started to come towards the continent so sometimes you can be a bit before your time but I will say just keep at it um I think if you're convinced then keep going um another big difficulty I would say is that industry is quite clicky for use of a better word so I think it's important that you I think just in terms of personal management I always say think of yourself as a brand kind of define what you want to do how you want to kind of portray yourself um, and do that otherwise it is very easy to get lost in the source get super offended by things which 
you know, you start to take personally. But I think it's quite important to just be really quite sure of how you want to communicate yourself, how you want to portray yourself. Because um, there are quite a lot of clicks and I think you just decide how and where you want to you penetrate. Yeah. Yeah. So those are probably, probably I've say my two main headers from working with just Africa and working in the fashion industry generally. Those will probably be my, my two main things. I like that. Thank you so much for being truthful with that as well. So, and also be truthful, but transparent about that and also preparing people for what they would just need to consider. Mm. Coming. Thank you so much. So this actually really ties in well with the next question. I feel like we have like a really good flow here. It's like, can you see my questions or something, Dorcas? Because I'm I really know, it's just <laughs> for Dorica. It's good. It's good. <laughs> loving how it's just tying in. So my next question is for new fashion business owners, what advice would you give to them concerning supply chain management and operations? I would hone it, I would just say this again. I probably sound like a power for which I've worked with before, but I always say these probably three main things. Research, like I can't stress enough, yeah, how important research is. So in terms of supply chain management and make sure all of this makes sense, do your research on a market level. So when I'm saying market level, I think sometimes um, not just beyond like, obviously, oh, how am I going to sell it? Where am I gonna, how am I going to market it? But when I say market research, we're looking at the market which you're going to operate in. So your customer, where are they based? Logistically, what location are they based in? Um, and try to really, really go in and hone in on that research. So when I'm saying the two areas of research, which I think are majorly important, is your customer research and your market research. So your customer research, obviously, that's you unpacking who this customer is, what kind of person are there, what they do in their spare time, what's their age, what's their disposable income, all of those key and beautiful things. And then going into the market and thinking, okay, I'm going into women's wear, I'm going into footwear, I'm going into jewellery really hone in and see what is that industry saying at the, at the moment? What is that market saying? What are the key players in that? Who are your competitors at the time? Honing in on those will kind of give you key things in terms of what your expectations, what the expectations of your customer are, and also what other people are doing um, from cost to delivery, stuff like that. So that will tell you, for example, if you do your market research and you might have two or three competitors, Everybody has a competitor. Some people like to think they don't, but it might not be direct. It'll be indirect, maybe yeah. sometimes. Yeah. But there might be an indirect or a direct competitor. But there is always somebody that you can look to to gain some learnings from. I think it is a, sometimes we can get a bit arrogant and think like, no, my idea is unique. Yeah, the idea might be unique, but there is something you can learn from someone else in the industry doing something. So from there, I'll say like things like little things like, do they? have delivery included in their packaging how much do they sell their how much do they sell their um products for when you order their garment or you order their product how does it get delivered to you what does the packaging look like how is it done so all of those things you need to take note of and then you can start to see what the expectations of your customer are so you now know if a customer knows that when generally when they order from a you know a boutique niche designer a jacket they're expecting to get within seven to day, 10 days their package is impeccable for a luxury brand they are happy to pay between 800 and 900 dollars for example based on your research you now know what your expectations are you then ideally should always be working backwards so if for example your price point 
is going to be a hundred dollar mark then you come up backwards and see what margin you want to achieve and what you need to get at your cost price which takes me on to my third point which is your costings so market research customer research and your costings your money your numbers have to do the talking so working backwards then you can start thinking about okay if my price point is then i need to be able to make this jacket for x amount where do i need to go to source the fabric where do i need to go to source the manufacturer if I'm deciding to manufacture it myself, am I considering all my overheads to make sure that this makes sense? So I think for me, I can't stress enough from the granular, even from light bill, from how much water you use, take in all those costings, how much it's going to cost to market it, from something as small as a um, Facebook ad to you maybe doing a full-on lifestyle campaign photo shoot, how much is this all going to add? cost you might not know exactly to the penny but do your research and find that typically how much it will cost me etc etc because you need to make sure that these are all factored in when doing your your costings and kind of setting your final price points so yeah those are three main things i would advise for any kind of um new designer or someone entering that needs to focus on the supply chain and management operations market research consumer research and um costings especially of the product. Wow, wow, wow. I feel like, Douglas, we might need to sell this episode because <laughs> it's true when they give it away. This is like literally a one-to-one masterclass and consultancy session in one. I honestly absolutely love that. And do you know what? I was literally sat here like nodding my head when you mentioned like basic things such as like your light bill and water bill. People don't understand like the literally. more electricity you use, you're going to need to factor that in, especially when we think about being in Africa, like you may need a generator. Have you thought that in? Yeah. Fuel as well, because how does the generator, like there's so many things that you need to consider and even like the water bill. And this is like, water, this, this isn't like even just to do with um, businesses based on the continent. Even in the UK, we still have to pay for our water bill. Like the more water you use, you're going to be paying for it. So it's so important to actually really factor these core um, points in there. And I really do appreciate you with actually sharing these things, not just saying, oh, think about just your trimmings and stuff. No, like the things that you will not expect that will literally hit you, you must consider this. So that was fantastic. Thank you so much. So we're just going to be wrapping up really shortly. And I just want to ask you a few things on the topic of fashion education. So the first one is, I mean, we know like you are passionate about fashion education. I mean, you've gone into lecturing um, recently and we're seeing this whole new development of fashion education on the continent. I mean, with what we're doing at CF, you're a board member. How do you, as someone who is a lecturer, but also someone who is in industry, what is your thoughts on and how do you think fashion stakeholders can really bridge both the knowledge and skills gap on the continent? I think that's an excellent question. I think it's definitely been one that I think more and more of now that I have gone into lecturing. And a lot of time over the past um, year or so while I've been lecturing, I think that comes to my mind a lot is how are we creating good um, employees and entrepreneurs of the industry? And I think that sometimes is quite key in terms of seeing how the education sector does need to evolve. So a lot of the time when I'm even creating my lectures or putting together like 
class and stuff like that I think sometimes the main gap which we need to start filling in is marrying up the theory with the practical element and I think I appreciate that I've been able to have a bit of both of them so I, I do come from a background where I have studied I've done an undergraduate I've done a postgraduate um and I've still worked in industry as well so I do understand how we can translate some of the things you do learn but also sometimes some of the gaps which um you don't learn when you're entering into the industry because I remember even when I started my first first entry-level job which was with House of Fraser and the buying team sometimes there was elements where I was like a deer in headlights due to some things which I think even studying I could have kind of had um, a bit of a knowledge gap in. So I would say definitely in terms of filling the gaps, I would say the two things which I think are invaluable is start to have a bit more um, practical elements embedded into the industry, into the teaching, sorry. So for example, it could be doing live briefs. I'm a major fan of live briefs. I think having a brand or a company come in explaining and kind of proposing a trouble which they might have and can given the students the opportunity to find the solutions that is great because one they learn time management they learn how to act professionally they learn how to pitch their ideas um to a, a brand which is functioning they learn how to do kind of like research into a brand that's operating already so those live briefs are great those elements and opportunities to knowledge exchange are also very very important too so i think being able to marry those things up are super important and i think as well is if the students also have a good thorough understanding of what they are going to gain from doing this and the opportunities and options which are available to them, I think that's quite key. I think, so for example, them coming in and studying and knowing that, um, although I may be studying um, fashion business and fashion retail, for example, this industry in itself is massive. You may be studying fashion design. That industry in itself is massive. It doesn't mean you're going to be a designer, but you could actually become a master pattern cutter or you might become a production manager or you might become, you know, a textile designer. So I think also being able to enter the industry, enter, enter studying with, you know, being able to, to be told and shown all the different routes which you can exit at. I think also that's quite super helpful, which I found because I think it's great to see their eyes light up when you're like, oh, you know, you can become um, a master pattern car or, you know, you can become a um, creative director. You know, you can become this, you know, you can that. they're like, whoa, really? That exists. So yeah. I think being able to marry up and show them all the different elements and arenas that you can kind of enter into as well as being able to give them a bit of live action or a taste of what happens in the world is also great as well because then they can tangibly see I'm working towards these steps I'm going to get this qualification which is recognized and accredited and I can go into xyz and I've been able to get experience working with a brand directly so I think those have all been things which I think can really help kind of propel the industry a bit forward. I love that I love that definitely agree with all the points that you've mentioned and especially with bringing exposure into the different areas in the fashion industry is really really essential so thank you so much for that so I'm going to ask you the final question I mean you have already dropped amazing gems so far but as it's CF and we're all about fashion education here 
I would love for you to share some of your favorite resources. It could be either books, it could be websites that you use on a daily basis with your business and so forth. But I would love for you to share at least three resources that you just like swear by. Okay, great question. So for me, I'm because I'm functioned from the business side of the fashion industry, I literally, my inbox every day, I get a drop, whether it's from BOF, whether it's from WGSN, whether it's from Transporter, I do sign up to a lot of these things. Um, and I think I would definitely advise um, guys, whether it's even like Industry Africa is, is one that's kind of focused a bit more on the continent, sign up to these kind of like databases and these publications so you can get the business business side of the fashion industry straight into your inbox like Vogue Business I've mentioned be off already those things I definitely say sign up to them 100% another thing which I would advise that you um one thing that's been good for me is gaining an interest on in the surrounding culture so now that I I do a bit more big picture stuff in terms of the creative industry um I've started to kind of take my ear towards things like lifestyle travel on the continent um yeah. like food culinary restaurants and all that type of stuff all of those things do impact and kind of help you to see the direction that the industry is going into so keep your ear out for all this type of stuff I think don't or never kind of just feel like okay I'm only going to be interested in clothes and that's it everything feeds into everything so whether it's about um what the new hotspots are on the on the continent in terms of travel what kind of um, festivals have now moved over to the continent. All of these things, I think culturally and creatively, I think keep an eye on to them um, and start to kind of build like a bit of a picture in terms of how the whole entire industry is moving and you could be a bit more ahead of the game. Um, and then another thing I would do and I would advise is like within, outside of the continent, also tap into resources externally so whether it be master classes a short course here and there I don't think ever reach the stage where you think that you've worked it all out or you know it all I think just be very quiet and avid or a keen learner of the industry and things which might be happening whether it's a master class you sign up to or a small workshop you sign up to so I think just being quite present um and being somebody that kind of really takes on and just basically makes yourself available to a lot of knowledge is quite key. I think for me, those have been quite helpful in terms of making me stay abreast of what's happening and what's new and what's current in the industry. Thank you so much for those amazing resources that you've shared with us. I feel like this whole episode has basically been like a class in itself. It's been like a one-to-one -one session and it's just been really insightful and informative. I mean, you know, I'm really huge on like pushing out the other area of fashion. Mm. So that's the, the, not the design side, but the operations, the management, the There's whole thing. There's a business. lot to it. Yeah, because it's a lot. And these are the fundamental things that actually drive the industry. So just hearing from someone who has a different perspective is sharing their own experiences with working you know in Europe and then also working on the continent it's honestly incredible and I really just do believe that it actually will be very insightful for our listeners I hope it is so again thank you so much Zorkas for joining us we have thank to get you, you for having me 
we have to get you back on for another episode we really do it's been honestly really insightful and i've learned so much myself as well so thank you so much just for being a blessing and sharing all of that amazing information thank you Federica. um yeah it's, it's been great i'm super excited to see um everything that's going to come forth with this amazing new platform it's so exciting thank amazing. you so much thank you so much okay well thank you so much for listening and we hope that you'll join us in the next episode take care and bye-bye